The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to The Echo Chamber. This is Arun Sudharman from The Homes Report and we're joined on today's show by Vivian Schiller, who is Global Editor-in-Chief of Weber Shambwick. Vivian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about something called fake news, which I suspect many of our listeners are familiar with. It has become, uh, rather ironically, I guess, one of the stories of the year. Um, and indeed, it's become a phrase now that is often being used to describe uh, a number of different things. So not only, I guess, is, is perhaps the idea of, of fake news a little bit misleading, depend, depending on what exactly someone is talking about. At the same time, of course, we have the, the, the presidential Twitter feed, uh, as we witnessed yesterday, to, to particularly strong effect, um, describing anything that the, uh, the administration might disagree with uh, as being fake news. So it's a phrase that maybe is losing some of its power and meaning as well. Uh, and Vivian, you've done some research into this. Weber Shandwick came out with some research yesterday. Uh, and I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear your perspective, maybe if we start from the beginning, uh, in terms of, of what fake news is and, and, and why does it matter so much today? Well, um, yeah, it's become very complicated and fake news is sort of the phrase of the year in many ways. The irony is that phenomenon of fake news is is not is not new. It's been around for hundreds, by some accounts, thousands of years. People have used misinformation or completely fabricated uh, uh, stories, however they're told, to for various purposes. But it's taken on new dominance this year, especially in the last year or so, um, largely due to its impact and influence. Uh, based on the spread via technology, and it's it's really interesting. You're absolutely right. The term fake news is has is now used in so many different ways. It's rendered meaningless. But so it might be helpful. We can sort of talk about the different meanings of fake news, putting mm-hmm. aside something I don't agree with, which is <laughs> what the president and others often use when they call something fake news. But maybe to talk a little bit about how we got here. Sure. So you say that, that fake news is nothing new and that really it's, it's down to technology that it's become so prevalent. So what did fake news look like before technology made it um, so widespread and, and, and such, a, such a big issue? Well, I, I mean, it, in the U.S., we've had fake news uh, for a long time, often in uh, supermarket tabloids that talked mm. about, you know, celebrities, uh, alien baby abductions, and all kinds of nonsense like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least in the US, uh, fake news has largely been not so much or not so widespread about uh, serious issues like politics or the economy or, or, or information sort of information that we've all, uh, based on data that we've all, generally speaking, r- relied upon. Now everything is being called into question. Hmm. And of course, the, what we're seeing is that technology effectively functions as rocket fuel behind some of these stories, right? You go onto Facebook, uh, you see a story that 
um, is is not true. Um, I'm trying to think of, of an obvious one. Uh, let's go with the... The Pope endorsed uh, Donald Trump. That's, right. That's, that's my favorite. Yeah, the, the Pope endorsed Donald Trump. My, my favorite is the, the pizza parlor in Washington, D.C., right. which was apparently a, a, a pedophile ring... Uh, involving, Headed up by Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and, and, and I think John Podesta. Yes, exactly. It's be at- quite near my home, actually. Right, okay. Um, so, and these kinds of stories, which I guess would, would have been discounted or, or certainly much, much, less, um, much less read, would have been much less popular uh, even, even 10 years ago, today are, are the first thing you see maybe on Facebook and indeed often, I think, even on Google, the, the Pope... The story about the Pope and Donald Trump was coming up as the number one search term, search term on Google, um, if I recall right. So that's one kind of fake news, though, right? It's that's not everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is, I guess, what you you probably describe as a is that just a completely false story, just just made up with with com- with just totally mendacious aims? Y- yes, that, that's exactly right, and. Um, these are, and there's different reasons why those fake stories are are are, are created, and and even more um, frightening, it's uh, those stories really only reach, don't only show up in the feeds of people who are predisposed to be interested in those stories. I think in many ways that's why um, you know the results, you know perhaps the results of Brexit, but also the results of the U.S. presidential campaign was a surprise to so many because. Stories about completely falsified stories, like the Pope has endorsed Donald Trump, or um, the uh, uh, Comet Pizza uh, Parlor in in Washington D.C. being the center of this pedophile ring, uh, many people didn't didn't see those stories, had no idea how widespread uh, and how uh, how widely disseminated those stories were, because of the nature of our Facebook feeds being algorithmically filtered based on our past interests and on the interests of our closest Facebook friends. So as a result, people in the US have two completely or more alternative realities on Facebook with you know, one person's feed might be filled with things that are uh, anti-Donald Trump, pro-Hillary. Another person's feed might not see, you know, have any of those stories at all and might you know, have both legitimate, on both sides, both legitimate and fake stories very easily spread via an algorithmically filtered uh, uh, Facebook feed. Mm. And we know for a fact that, um, that you know, all over the world, it, over 50% of, um, of people that, 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 that consume news get news from social media. Mm. So, so we know why it's spreading. Let's take a step back, perhaps, and talk about where these stories are coming from. Um, I think there's a there's a popular image, or maybe it's not that popular, but certainly there's an image of of, of teenagers in Macedonia um, setting up websites full of uh, scurrilous and, and false stories and making tons of money from programmatic advertising, which opens up a whole other question about um, yes, it does. <laughs> about <laughs> advertising, and and we've seen some of that playing out in the UK this week with with YouTube. But leaving that aside. Is, is that really all there is to it? Is it are we just no. talking? No, no. There's different motivations. I mean, well, let's talk about the Macedonian teenagers for a minute mm-hmm. because um, that it was the subject of excellent reporting by Ben Silverman at BuzzFeed, and mm-hmm. who does, who's done really extraordinary investigative work on the fake news issue. He's very, 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 very reliable uh, reporter, and he did indeed um, write about teenagers in Macedonia. That's 
or there's, there's others who are not teenagers in outside Macedonia. And their motivation is they did figure out sort of how to game the system in order to make money. Mm. These kids probably could care less who the president of the United States is, but they determined through experimentation that stories that uh, supported Donald Trump and were anti-Hillary Clinton were the most gay engaged, generated the most engagement on Facebook. So an mm. engagement is, you know, a like or some other emoji, mm -hmm. a comment or a share. And so by making up these stories and planting them on Facebook, those drove a lot of engagement. And the more engagement they drive, the more they're going to, those stories are going to show up in the Facebook feeds of people who are predisposed to like those stories. People then click on those stories, which takes you to a website that these kids set up. They would, you know, come up, they just make up, I mean, anybody can set up a website that's, you know, masquerading as a legitimate news site. And, um, and the way that they make money is when people click over to those websites, there is a, you know, either a Google or some other third party ad module, and that's how they make money. And they did apparently make quite a lot of money. So one of the motivations for fake news is just pure profit. Mm, okay. But there's also other motivations as well. Um, you know, uh, propaganda, quite, quite to put it, you know, to put it, it, it bluntly, which is uh, those that are looking to influence the results of an election or influence public opinion um, by spreading false information. Um, it's really based on um, a political motivation, not necessarily about profit. Um, and those are two, I mean, really, if you want to sort of look at fake news in kind of those binary terms, I'd say those are the two um, the two largest motivations is, mm. is yeah, political motivation and profit motivation. So give us a, a, maybe one or two examples of, of fake news in, uh, that, uh, that's driven by this kind of propaganda type of narrative. Right. Well, I mean, you, you, that question sort of brings up another issue, which is um, if you look at forms of fake news, there is sort of pure just stuff that is completely made up out of thin air. Mm -hmm. Again, the Pope endorsing Trump is just completely invented. It's based on absolutely no evidence whatsoever. But there's another category of fake news that is probably more widespread and in some ways a little more problematic because it's not sort of in a binary way true or false. And that is um, news that is based on um, a certain truthful uh, piece of information or truthful data, but it is then manipulated or mm -hmm. put into a context that leads to a to a to a, a conclusion that you know an independent journalist might not necessarily make. So uh, mm. a lot of stories on on Breitbart, for example, fall into that category. Mm. Um, they are not entirely fake news, um, and there is legitimate uh, fact-based news on Breitbart, but there are also stories. Um, based on data or polling that either leaves out information or leaves out context or adds additional context to lead you to a different conclusion. So mm -hmm. this is why the whole fake news discussion is so incredibly tricky. Mm. Indeed, I think you're kind of touching on um, the different types of fake news. There's uh, there's a visual um, that, in fact, we, we, we were looking at today from um, first draft, which I would advise everyone to, to have a look at. It's, it's widely available online and basically it shows the seven types of mis- and disinformation as it describes it. 
so at one end of the spectrum is is what we we've, we've been talking about is fabricated content, which is right. you know the stuff that's com- completely untrue, and I suspect is being driven by this this search for for profit. Uh, the other end, you have satire or parody, which, uh, frankly, you, you could probably argue we need more than ever yeah, <laughs> exactly. in today's environment. Yeah. It's the stuff in the middle that's really it's murky. It's really murky. Yeah. So, you know, on the one hand, you have you have things like uh, headlines, visuals, or captions that use that don't support the content. Because that's of course, otherwise known as clickbait. Right, it's <laughs> clickbait. Um, you have misleading content, uh, so misleading use of information to frame an issue or individual, something that's happened happens a lot in politics, and I'd argue has been happening for a long time in politics, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Well, look, absolutely none of this is new. Mm. It's just it's it's the proliferation that's new, mm-hmm. and the and the impact that it's having, the demonstrable impact it's having on on public opinion, and and the demonstrable impact it's it's having on sort of a, a, a more polarized society because we are experiencing two different yeah. alternative realities. Yeah, and I think we're all aware of this phenomenon now where you'll post something on Facebook that you think is true. All of your friends will agree, they'll weigh in and talk about how terrible there is. And then some someone who you don't maybe don't know that well or you thought you, did, you thought you knew well will say, I actually don't believe this is true. This is this is completely fake. Yeah. And and you know, the, you're right, it's it's a reminder that there are alternative realities. Um, well there's also a phenomenon known as confirmation bias, which is yeah. which afflicts most people. We're all human, which is I, you you have a preconceived notion or you have a desire for uh, for a reality that may or may not exist, and when you see some some document or a news story or a video that fits what you want to be true, you're more inclined to believe it and be mm-hmm. less skeptical about the information. Yeah. It's a real problem on the left and the right. So the big question here, really, which I'm kind of hesitant to ask you because I don't want you to to feel like you are going to be able to provide a solution. I have all the answers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But the big question here, really, is how 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 do we address it? Because obviously, one of the big issues here is that people, you and me, everyone, are conditioned in various ways to believe things uh, of different types. And, you know, as someone who's worked in the media for a long time, I would always make the case, and like you, you've worked in the media for, for a long time as well, I'd always make the case that, you know, as long as the information is, 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 is accurately sourced, it is up to the reader uh, to make up their own mind about it, and yet that—that's not an well, argument you can necessarily make yeah. so easily these days. Right. Well, that—I mean, at 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 a surface level, that's true, but it could also lead to stories that create false equivalencies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the problem with you know, you know, he said, she said, you decide. Uh, sometimes what she said is—I'll pick the she in this case. What she said is demonstrably false, and what he said is either true or an opinion, but based on facts. So you can't necessarily, you know, give, you know, equal weight to arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that's becoming, you know, for journalists, that's becoming more and more important. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do, do you have to be careful about avoiding false equivalents, you have to even be careful about how you write a headline. Because so many people now on social media don't read past the headline. So for example, um, if, if um, if, if, if the president of the United States, for example, uh, might uh, tweet something that is um, invented, uh, the you know one one news source and and I, we see this over and over again. One news source might say 
President Donald Trump um, declares that uh, uh, you know, the sky is pink. I'm just making that up as an example. Well, it might happen to because he, but Because he did say it. He's the president of the United States. What he says comes with some authority. Mm-hmm. But a lot of news organizations now feel pressure to say uh, President Donald Trump falsely mm-hmm. asserts that the sky is pink, for example. That sort of pressure to put the, the information or to fact check uh, the information right in the headline for those that might not click beyond it. There is growing pressure mm, there. See. Sure. Is it fair to expect people to be able to tell what's true and what's fake? Well, yes. I have. I actually hold my fellow man, in, generally speaking, in, in high esteem, and I would expect uh, really? people Why? to... <laughs> I, I'm going to... You know, it, it's aspirational. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> It's going to have to be so, at this rate. I, I, yeah. So, I mean, and I think, you know, we, we have to give people some credit um, in terms of, of not being uh, completely ignorant. So, having said that, I think it's, uh, I think that, you know, again, just what we were talking about, for, for example, with headlines, it's important, I think, for news organizations to help to make things very clear very quickly in the story as opposed to what you were not necessarily you were, you know, suggesting is, is what how, how some news organizations approach. Well, here's what, you know, this person said, here's what that person said. You make up your mind. I think mm. journalists have a responsibility to, you know, parse information and, and to and, and you know, and, and sort of make some statements about its veracity. Um, but I also think, you know, and this is certainly not a short-term solution. It's a more longer-term solution. I think we uh, societies have a responsibility to introduce uh, or to reintroduce critical thinking and skills and, and, and what we used to call in the United States civics into education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is not to say that schools should be telling kids, you know, read this news source, not that news source, but rather when you see a story, no matter where it is, here are the things you need to look for. What's the sourcing? You know, what is the, you know, who, who's the, who is the, uh, who is the reporter? What is the what is the track record of this information? All kinds of things that you know we can help teach mm-hmm. at least the next generation, if not uh, grown-ups who maybe for whom it may be too late to be a little skeptical about what they read and what they share. Sure, I mean it's a tough one, isn't it? Because so much of the kind of great journalism, and indeed, you know. The, the examples of, of people questioning power, um, exposing misdeeds, comes about almost from a willingness to disbelieve the kind of conventional establishment narrative. You yeah. know, this is something that's true, this is something that isn't. Well, there's that confirmation bias again. Right, yeah. exactly. But two other issues here that are interesting, I guess. Um, the first, of course, is um, t- regulation of the media. Do you feel that that, that the, the kind of stories we're seeing now, and I, I'm not obviously having, working in the media, I'm not someone that that, that says this lightly, um, but do you feel that the stories we're seeing uh, supports the case that perhaps um, self-regulation is not enough when it comes to, uh, to expecting media sources to, to deliver news and, and information that, that is verifiable? Well, it sort of begs the question: Who who's doing the regulating mm. exactly, and and uh, what are, are, is uh, their or uh, motivation 
regulation makes me a little nervous, to be honest, because um, uh, it, it, it sounds on the surface like, oh, yes, of course, somebody should do something about this. Mm. You know, on the other hand, um, regulation, you know, be careful of, of uh, unintended consequences. Mm. And uh, if it is a, you know, government uh, regulation, you know, who, which party is it? What point of view is it? How, how is, how would these, you know, regulators be determining what's true or false? And do I, as a citizen, want um, my government determining, telling me what's true or false? That mm. seems very fraught to me. Okay. Um, yeah, all good points. Um, technology. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how uh, Facebook and Google are, should shoulder a lot of the blame for um, the spread of fake news and, and the algorithms that, that reinforce its priority. Uh, do you think they should be doing more? I mean, they, Facebook is, was immediately came out last year and said, well, we're not, we're not an editorial platform, which is um, an interesting point of view, given that they are an editorial platform. But do you feel like they should be doing more in terms of, uh, of or at least addressing the, the issues yeah. we're seeing here? I, I do, and they are, actually, um, and they should, to a point. Um, yeah, Facebook, you know, sort of did a 180 in the last six months, mm -hmm. starting from saying, you know, effectively, we're just, you know, a, a vessel and we don't control, you know, what we carry inside that vessel to acknowledging that, in fact, uh, they do have a, a responsibility as a platform that is, you know, touched by 1.9 billion, almost 1.9 billion people every month. So, uh, uh, and both Facebook and, and, you know, Google similarly, both Facebook and Google have, um, you know, announced initiatives that they are beginning to roll out to try to um, address fake news. Uh, for example, uh, Facebook's done a couple of things. One, they uh, if you go to your Facebook page on your on your laptop or desktop, the the trending news uh, module that's on the right used to be um, customized uh, by an algorithm based on geolocation and other factors. Now it is, uh, or it's or they're planning to. I don't know if they've rolled this out everywhere. That it's it's everyone seeing the same story to try to at least bring some kind of collective awareness of story. So they've done that. They've also introduced initiatives um, to uh, flag stories that third party uh, news organizations have uh, can demonstrate it are false. Now they don't take the stories out, but they'll put a flag on the story. If you try to share that story, you'll get a, a, a pop-up effectively that says uh, this story has been called into question. Mm. Um, so you have to, you decide before you, you can decide before your share. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm not sure how, if somebody wants to share a story, I'm not sure they're going to look too kindly at somebody saying, you know, somebody else has said this is false. That might just kind of piss people off. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so they are taking, they're taking measures. They're trying to support news literacy programs. Google, um, similarly, is, is, is trying to address the issue. Of course, they are, you know, a large advertising platform um, for many through, you know, Google AdSense and these modules. We talked about this earlier. Mm. So they're trying to blacklist sites that propagate false news so that, you know, these Macedonian kids, you know, that would cut off the income stream mm -hmm. to them. So reduce the motivation. Um, 
you know, they're trying to do some things around um, the autocomplete on Google search bars, things like that. Right. So, you know, I, 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 I believe they're taking it seriously. I believe that they, um, you know, I believe it's enlightened self-interest, quite honestly, which is, uh, yes, they feel a responsibility, but it's also critical to their business. As you said, we saw this yesterday in, in what's happened around uh, YouTube. Uh, YouTube, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that's referring to a, a specific issue, uh, well, in the UK, but but more broadly with, with brands, I guess, questioning the fact that their ads are appearing um Alongside uh, YouTube videos that you know pr- promoting hate speech and well, all kinds of um, pretty unsavory stuff, uh, Google. <laughs> well, I think Google makes, has made made it clear one way or another that brands have the tools to 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 handle all of this themselves, uh, and and they they can't. I mean, one of the arguments Google has always made is that they just cannot literally police the 400 hours of content that's uploaded onto onto to YouTube, you know, constantly, um, and that brands have tools and so on to, to, to police it more effectively. But in terms of in terms of the fake news issue, do you see that? Do you see awareness amongst brands as well? Because you know, presumably their programmatic spend could take them. Into those channels, uh, not only um, not only the on YouTube, but some of these That's other right, websites yeah. as well. Right, and there 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 are tools where you can mm-hmm. you know control or to degree you can control uh, where your ads will appear in programmatic advertising. But unfortunately, uh, they they don't always work. And I, mean, right. I think that's what we're seeing with the with the YouTube situation. I'm sure YouTube is. I'm sure it's not a nefarious plot from YouTube to make to put these ads next to hate speech in order to make more money. I don't believe that for a second. I think mm. uh, I just think they don't necessarily, or either they don't have, or they haven't in, properly invested in the technology mm. to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're also seeing sort of grassroots movements. I know you have it here. Uh, sleep. If you're familiar with Sleeping Giants, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, Sleeping Giants is a anonymous Twitter account um, that is calling out uh, uh, quite loudly, sort of either trying to shame or celebrate um, uh, uh, brands uh, who either uh, appear on Breitbart or have pulled their ads from Breitbart. Now, as we discussed earlier, Breitbart is not a fake news site in the in the in the purest sense of the sense of the term. It's well, it's complicated, um, but. Uh, you know, it's it's been they've been quite effective actually in mm. getting um, sort of raising awareness for brands like is this the content that you want your brand to appear next to? Mm. And what are the other uh, implications for brands here? Because obviously brands are huge producers now of content themselves. I mean that's something I suspect your work you work on day in and day out. There must be a temptation uh, amongst brands uh, to to perhaps disseminate a point of view that is perhaps not as truthful as it could be. You know, there's brands are often accused of, of, of spin in, yeah. in the best of times. Uh, presumably now they can just make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. Well, I, I would hope not. And certainly, um, you know, neither I nor anybody that I work with would be partaken in, 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 in something like that with a brand to, to, you know, you can't, 
you, you can't build long-term value or even short-term value by, by peddling lies. So it's not in any brand's interest to, to do anything but, but tell the truth and try to, uh, try, try to you know, represent themselves on the merits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, no, I, 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 I don't believe that and I don't you know, participate in anything like that. Mm. How are brands responding to the, to the flood of fake news yeah. though? Do you see it as a concern for them? Um, it, it, certainly in terms of, because it, it, it also, even, and I, I was playing devil's advocate there in terms of, 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 of how brands might approach yeah. it, but at the very least, um, it, it, can, it can lead to a climate where if people don't believe anyone, then you know they're, they're also less likely to believe what brands are telling them, which, yeah. which raises real issues. Right? Well, I think that I think that's right. I mean, the, the, the greater risk to brands is you know if if we lose sort of the the foundation of what are agreed upon mm-hmm. facts that we can all start with sort of some foundation of what is true and what is false, then you know any claim, truthful or not, loses loses power and loses its meaning. Mm-hmm. So that that absolutely is a concern and. You know what 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 brands need to do is you know con- is to do exactly what news organizations do, which is you know come hell or high water, we're just going to keep you know telling you know telling the truth and, and tell our story. Mm. Obviously, the motive. I, I, I'm, and let me just be clear, I'm not conflating the motivations of news organizations and brands. Those are two mm. very different things. However. Um, Neither can succeed uh, by uh, propagating lies. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, even though the motivation for journalists and the motivation, you know, motivation for a brand is to further the aims of its own organization and what it stands for, you know, but nonetheless, that that should and can and, and you know is done in you know I'm sure there's cases where it's not in a, in a, in in truthful ways in fact based uh, fact based information. Mm-hmm. And how about brands that are being challenged by claims that are clearly false, yeah. you know, by fake news stories, you know, that, that, that again, well, that is nothing challenge. new, yeah. right? But now um, this kind of stuff can just travel around the world so quickly. There yeah. are, you know, any given moment, it seems as there's, there's all, all kinds of, of, of rumors and urban myths afflicting brands. Some of them right. can, can become quite challenging yeah. and debilitating. How do they respond to that? Right. Well, it's, uh, I, I mean, quite honestly, that's a big part of our practice. I mean, mm-hmm. the, everything that we've been talking about so far, how quickly, uh, you know, these uh, lies can spread is 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 a challenge to, um, to you know, is it potential ch- challenge um, to our clients? And, and, and it is a challenge um, for some of them. And, and, you know, that's a big part of what we do is to make sure that, all brands are prepared. You can't sort of wait until the till a crisis hits to then try to figure out what to do. And so we, you know, work with our clients to uh, make sure that they have processes in place, that they have, uh, you know, the right people know are are, are in, on the loop, so that when a crisis hits, you can act quickly. You really can't take a lot of time to respond to these kinds of things. We have all kinds of, you know, tools, um, mobile tools, so that mm-hmm. your sort of crisis plan is always on your mobile phone, so people don't have to travel on vacation with these thick binders, you know, that of, of who calls who, you know, when, when crisis hits. Um, so all of that is, you know, is something that we sort of, you know, practice daily mm-hmm. uh, with our clients. But, you know, the other thing is that we remind our clients and all brands 
you know, either either are or or or, or need to um, pay attention to is to sort of at the foundation sort of decide or understand what your values are as an organization, as a brand. Because if you are secure in your values and all of your employees, who by the way are a critical part, more and more critical part of communication is, as every employee of every brand is now almost, you know, they're all on social media. They can be your best advocate or they can be a problem if they don't understand what you stand for. To make sure that those values are well understood and are sort of foundational to how you respond mm. to any crisis or to any situation. So we talked, for instance, a few minutes ago about um, you know the, the brands deciding to to leave their ads on Brightboard or not. Mm. That that's a values-based decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I'm not going to say here right or wrong at, at this moment uh, on the record whether a brand should or shouldn't be on Breitbart, but it but it needs to come from a place of what your values are. And there's no no hiding anymore. Um, you know, there's an, a civic engagement, I think, that I've not seen in my lifetime, at least that's happening in the United States, of people holding not just their politicians to account, but brands to account and saying, what do you believe? What do you stand for? And um, based on what you stand for, I'm going to make decisions about whether I'm going to continue to be uh, your consumer or not, or your customer or not. So um, values ba- a values-based approach to both crisis and communication is essential. Mm. How else do you, how else do you see this um, playing out in terms of uh, of the lessons, not just for brands, but in general that that maybe people who are, who are reading fake news. Um, or at least are trying to figure out what's fake and what's real. What are the things they should be looking for? As consumers, you mean? Mm, just right? yeah. Well, um, it's sort of the tenets of journalism, I, I, where I've spent um, my entire adult life until mm-hmm. I, <laughs> until about a year and a half ago. So it's you know, what is the sourcing? Um, you know, it, what, is there is does the does the uh, does the story uh, uh, represent fairness in terms of making sure that you know whoever is being accused of what uh, gets a chance to respond. Uh, what is the reputation of the news organization? Um, if it's a news organization you're not familiar with, has it, has it been around for more than a few days? For instance, in the case of the, the, you know, the, the Pope endorsing Trump, that was uh, from a, a, a so-called news organization called the Denver Guardian, which doesn't exist and it set up a website about three days prior to publishing this story. Um, are others reporting it? Um, which is not to say that you know that you know a pack mentality around lies can't mm. sometimes exist, but it's it's just another signal, mm. um, and uh, and you know particularly again coming back to the notion of confirmation bias, if a story seems too good to be true, if a story is what you hoped to believe, you know. Not that it isn't true. That doesn't mean it isn't true, but it, it just you should pause before you share and just make sure that you look for all those signs and and understand you know and make sure that the sourcing um, and the news organization is uh, give, gives you makes it reliable to you. Great advice. <laughs> Thank you very much, Vivian. I'm sure our millions of listeners will really enjoy today's podcast. That was my attempt at fake news oh. right there. So. <laughs> Hello to the millions. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much. Uh, thank you to all our listeners, as always. I think uh, I'm pretty sure you'll have found this a very um, 
illuminating discussion on uh, on fake news, do have a look um, both at Weber Shandwick's research into fake news, which is on their website, uh, and at the First Draft News uh, methodology for, for breaking down the different types of fake news. And be vigilant about all the fake news out there. Uh, you can get in touch with us, as usual, on our uh, various channels, our website, our social media feeds. Please do um, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, and we'll be back with our next Echo Chamber next week. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Thank you.